0: well hello and welcome back to the will and rob show it is uh it's wonderful to be with you all today um this uh early june uh part of the year. as uh, Summer has not officially started, although socially or culturally it has started with Memorial Day being passed. And so just uh, glad to be with you guys to talk about life. We're excited to have a guest on with us who we'll introduce in a minute. But uh, my name is Will Stockdale. I'm a ministry associate with Ministry to State, a ministry of the PCA here in Washington, D.C. that seeks to minister to men and women serving in government, whether that's staffers, members, or interns. And so we're just grateful for what we get to do here as always with my very good friend and colleague, Mr. Robert Hassler. Uh, Mr. Hassler, how are you doing on this fine, fine Wednesday afternoon?
1: Oh, I'm doing fine, but I don't think people really care about that. I think people want to get to the guest. So uh, okay, okay, good. Just, all I'll say is that my life's good. Uh, Will, you had an exciting day though. We were at Presbytery and you were ordained yesterday. So that was kind of a big deal, that 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 yeah. happened.
0: It happened. It happened. And so we can we can talk about that later as we introduce. Thank you for bringing that up, Robert. But but again, the people have bigger interests in mind here, and so we are excited, uh, grateful to have on with us Demiran Haines. Uh, Demiron is uh, what we would call an, an online friend on Twitter, someone that Robert and I both follow and appreciate. Uh, His work in the Twitter sphere, uh, a sense of calmness and uh, sanity, and as well as just a pastoral voice. And so uh, we had reached out to him a while ago to see if there was a chance that we could have him on the show to talk about his story. Um, how he had come to ministry and things that are going on to his life, as well as his recent call as assistant pastor of congregational life at Redeemer Presbyterian in Detroit, Michigan. And so DeMiron, welcome to the show. Uh, So excited to talk with you and hear about your story. And uh, you are in the middle of a move-in right now at your new home in Detroit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. First, thank y'all for having me. Uh, It feels good just to be across on Zoom and to share a microphone, if you will. But yeah, me and my family just moved from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, born and raised there, and uh, moved to Detroit about two weeks ago uh, to take a call as the assistant pastor here um, in uh, at Redeemer Press.
0: Man, so I'm guessing that everything has been seamless, like all moves, like everybody's moves ever. Everything has just worked perfectly.
2: We at first I thought we were gonna be able to say that until we moved into a house and uh, the day one there was a cracked pipe. Um, So my son uses the bathroom on the second floor and I'm in the basement and there's water leaking and we're trying to move books and all of that. Uh, So right the books. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, the most important piece they could have done a lot. Water could have been on everything else except the books. But uh, other than that, it's been a really, a really good move. Um, we have three kids. So trying to move with three kids who are five and under is no game.
0: Uh, oh my gosh. Wow. What are their names?
2: Yeah. My, I have a five-year-old named Ezra, uh, okay. a three-year-old named Shy and a one-year-old named Abel.
0: Okay. Well, I'm excited to get to them and hear about them as part of your story. But one of the things I wanted to do is, is, like I said, talk about your story, how you, you, you're you at seminary or, or just finished at RTS Dallas, do um, your MDiv there, and then you have this call. So I would love to just, uh, if you want to share some of your story, how you came to have this sense of call and ministry um, to to work where you're working now.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said earlier, I'm uh, born and raised in Shreveport Louisiana um was raised um primarily by my mother and my grandparents um and yeah I felt like uh growing up in Shreveport I love it still love Shreveport and um really uh enjoy being from Louisiana and boasting in that I am a Louisianian um Uh, I think Louisianians are the second nicest people in the United States behind Mississippians. Um, So uh, yeah, so just privileged to, to grow up where I grew up. Um,
0: Just for curiosity's sake though, where, where would you put the Texans there? I'm asking for a friend here.
2: Man, I would probably put Texans at like number, I don't know, maybe maybe outside of the top 10 like that. All
0: right, we're moving on. Get back to your story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you're not oh. truly the, you're not truly the South. So we like Texas and the Floridians. We we really don't know what to do with like it's like <laughs> the, the poles where we're like, okay, they're they're sweet people, but they're not <laughs> they're not that southern nice that that we uh, come to expect. Like when I drive to Dallas or was driving to Dallas for class, um, being honked at. We don't honk at each other in Louisiana, but as soon as I cross into Marshall, Texas, I'm getting honked at for not going fast enough. So. Mm that says something um, okay
0: okay well so first nicest state in the union louisiana okay okay
2: uh, so uh yeah so i grew up in treeport louisiana and i uh became a christian through the the, the witness of my high school band director so i play played trumpet been playing for about uh 16 years um and back in high school i, I feel like my band director just kind of knew that i was a uh, uh, just needed some direction. Um, I grew up without my uh, father in the house, so that led to a lot of uh, the various things that are connected to uh, kind of not having a father figure. And he just was very intentional with me. Started inviting me to church, um, so I played trumpet in the church's Sunday evening worship service. And over time, was converted under the preaching um, of that minister in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, And, yeah, grew while I was there, but wasn't really connected to a church um, and didn't get connected to a church really until I did my undergrad at McNeese State University in um, South Louisiana. And there was a, a, a Baptist church that I became a member at, was baptized at. And, um, that church was just really intentional with discipleship. They had a really strong college ministry. Um, but outside of college ministry, there were probably four or five families who just were intentionally, uh, bringing me into their home, kind of walking alongside of me. Um, so that became, um, kind of the first time I started just considering pastoral ministry, uh, was just seeing how, um, ordinary Christians come come alongside another ordinary Christian and just seek to the, benefit them spiritually. Um, so that kind of set like the, the thought, but still didn't consider it. I eventually took an internship in Chicago, lived in Chicago for uh, a number of years. Um, and it was in Chicago uh, that I lived with a pastor and his wife for two years before I got married. And that was probably the most uh, transformative experience of my life. So I lived with them upstairs in their house and then in their um, kind of garden apartment. Um, but while I was there, they were just I, I feel like you 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 watched like the disciples uh, follow Jesus in the Gospels. And I feel like that was kind of my life with that family. And, like I was always around them. Um, they taught me whether it's from doctrine to, um, how to argue as a husband and wife in a fair way, um, finances, um, family worship, all those different things like that. They just kind of enveloped me in the life of their, um, uh, church. And as a pastor, he's probably the most hospitable minister that I've ever met. Um, just welcomes people into their, welcomes people into their homes, his home, um, uh inviting people for dinner having people like me stay with him for extended periods of time and that left a huge impression on me not just as a um a christian but as a man as a now husband and father and definitely as a someone um entering into pastoral ministry um so uh after after that during that process i met my wife um and we dated got married um and we had uh, our first two boys in Chicago, Ezra and Shai. And then in all of that, we decided to move um, back down south to be near my family. And um, in being near my family, I got offered a job at a PCA church uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, to intern there and go to seminary at RTS Dallas. So I drove from Shreveport to Dallas for classes.
0: Had you been familiar yeah, first of all, Robert shaking his head, going, "That's a, quite a commute." Um, and had you been familiar with the PCA prior to um, working at at the church that you were called to? Because I, I didn't know anything about the PCA until after college. It, it was yeah, I
2: didn't. So when me and my wife um, started dating, um, and we're probably close to getting engaged. Um, we started talking about just church life, what type of church did we see ourselves in as a, uh, as a couple. And my wife grew up in the CRC, uh, uh, the um, uh, Christian Reform um, Church. Um, My wife is Dutch, Dutch American from West Michigan. So she grew up um, in that tradition. So she was baptized as an infant. um, And um, In that conversation, it brought up the reality that I had never known anybody who was baptized as an infant who wasn't Catholic. So um, I agreed to at least think about it and study it. So, through that process um, of reading, changing kind of my convictions surrounding church um, pastoral ministry and um, uh, the plurality of elders. just started looking, um, started looking at seminaries all at the same time and looked at a small seminary in Indiana and didn't go there. But, but the director of missions connected me to a PCA church planter in Chicago. And uh, me and that guy connected and we really hit it off. So me and my wife became members at that church plant. Um, my oldest Ezra was baptized at the launch service, which is kind of a a fun, uh, yeah, a fun story. And then I interned at that church for two years before moving to Shreveport.
0: Okay. Wow. And then how did you end up going to RTS Dallas? I know you, you had mentioned that. What was the, and then.
2: Yeah, I, I, Knew I wanted to go to seminary and it ultimately came down to, um, when me and my wife were just starting to look around for seminaries and visiting, I just, um, the pastors at RTS for me had such a, just a good reputation. Um, I had my, my father, my, my uncle, uncle-in-law is an OPC minister. And when I was looking at seminaries, he just really just said, Hey, you want to go to seminary once? um go where you feel like it's going to really shape you into the minister you want to be uh and i just had a high respect for rts ministers that at least that i knew and were in relationship with um so I started looking out, around at the different campuses um and for various reasons we couldn't just relocate to a campus just based on our life uh, situation at that point so when i got the job in shreveport um Uh, I had the option to either go to the Dallas campus or the Jackson campus uh, and chose the Dallas campus primarily because our church was the only uh, Louisiana church in North Texas Presbytery. So all of my classmates were guys who were at least going under care at North Texas Presbytery. Professors um, were, um, uh, they were teaching elders in the Presbyteries. So it just made more sense relationally. Uh, to go to RTS Dallas and it was a I, I, I think a really good decision um yeah
1: um I know when when I was applying for seminary there was a whole bunch of questions about you know where do you see yourself in ministry you know where, where do you feel the Lord is calling you and I, I remember I never really had a felt like I had a good answer for that I, I felt like seminary was just kind of my first step so um, I'm curious to kind of hear f- from your perspective uh, when you were going to seminary did you did you see where the Lord was leading you uh, into a very specific um, uh, type of ministry or were you, or were there certain classes or certain things that you were studying that you, you said, okay, this is, this is what I want to focus on. This is where I want to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I feel like um, when I started looking at seminary, I knew, seminaries, I knew that I wanted to go into at least broadly pastoral ministry I didn't know what the specific position would look like whether that was um, an assistant pastor maybe a solo pastor at a small church Um, but I was fairly confident that I felt like the Lord had called me to pastoral ministry and some of that was doing an internship before starting seminary was just like I feel like that internship in Chicago just solidified Hey, this is what I want to do. Whether that was um, where I felt like the Lord was blessing um, labors, but also just having God's people kind of come around you and say, "Hey, we see we see this in you." So when I got to seminary, it was, "Hey, I, I want to go on this track," um, and, and it kind of influenced the decisions of, of of how I treated my seminary studies. I one one of
0: the things that. Um... I'm sure we're not the ones who know that people on, on who follow you and uh, know you are aware, but you, you and your family have gone through some suffering and some very real trials. Love if, if, you know, share that with us and and also how that sense of suffering. And as a father um, shapes your studies and your, your pastoring of God's people.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, Yeah. In the, this was during my End of my first year of seminary, no, end of my second year of seminary, my uh two-year-old at the time, Shy, he's three now, um, was diagnosed with a cancer called Langhanger cell histiocytosis. So it's a cancer that affects the white blood cells. Um it was probably And it's been about a year, yeah, a year ago now, uh, we initially, um, he was drinking about 100 ounces of water a day um, and two year old, his body just couldn't, couldn't handle that. And uh, so we started going to the doctor, seeing specialists, all these things happening, and we finally got the the cancer diagnosis. Um, So my, uh, my church history final, uh, I took it in the hospital room, um, sitting next to his, Uh, sitting next to his bed after we had just found out and professors had given me a a ton of extensions were very gracious Um, uh, so during that time was probably um, just a whirlwind that summer of just trying to figure out okay what does this diagnosis mean what does that look like Uh, what's the prognosis Uh, um, and in that in all of that the prognosis is it's good. We're uh, about 15, wait, 15 weeks um, from Lord willing being done with treatment. We have a lot of tests um, to, to see if uh, if the cancer is removed or, or if there's other treatments we have to um, have to do. Um, but that was probably the for me and my wife, the hardest thing that any of, either of us had ever experienced, definitely as a married couple. And I would say definitely as individuals. Um, and I felt like that changed drastically my approach to seminary. I feel like uh, in seminary, um, I was a, I was always a diligent student, did did everything I needed to do, um, knew all, really enjoyed seminary. Some people just were like, "Hey, seminaries, get to this goal." I don't really don't really like it. Um, but I felt like um, in all of that, it deepened my studies in the sense that I was coming to classwork I was coming to lectures um desperate um like i uh it, it was almost like the lord was forcing me to um come before him um like when you're required to have to read um uh, systematic theologies on um so at that time i was taking uh, a doctrine of christ class and um and Dr. McDowell, uh, who will you know, uh, is just lecturing um, on the resurrection, and you're just weeping in class because two days ago you were in the in the hospital, um, or two days before that you're uh, sitting at um, watching your son get chemo, or your wife, my wife's there, and she's kind of walking me through how it all went. Um, so I, I felt like that my son's cancer, and even ongoing now, uh, I think it um, cause me to, um, just grow more desperate in my prayers. Um, Mm. uh, it caused me to think more, um, carefully, um, about the things that I, the things that I say, like we talked a little bit, um, or you brought up social media. I think that affected how I thought about social media in a lot of ways, um, of just like so many people are going through so many different things. So instead of heaping more and more law upon them and more and more condemnation, uh, how about we help them carry the burdens that they're 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 going they're going through so um yeah, and then connect with all that i i feel like it it's really influenced um my uh view of of pastoral ministry um i've been reading um spurgeon's um book on um i think encouragement for the depressed um it's been out for a while and then crossway just republished it in kind of their little fancy uh (laughs) uh booklets um but in that he has uh the second half of that book he talks about uh ministers and their own sufferings and how those are the means by which christ um uh enables them to pastor um their flock um and i feel like that's been my journey with my son's illness of learning um what it's like to really empathize or sympathize with people i'm not sure i could have done that at all before that like i can like i'm I'm not gonna if someone told me something i can i can like really as much as i can um say i understand but this um this situation with our son has has caused me to be able to say oh I, i get it i know what it's like to um doubt the providence of god i know what it's like to um Be overwhelmed with hospital bills, Um, but I also know what it's like for the Lord to draw near to the brokenhearted. Um, I know what it's like to have um, church members come visit you in the hospital. I know what it's like for um, other teaching elders to come reach out and provide um, for our family when we couldn't we couldn't do it ourselves. Like I've I've experienced in myself the kindness of God, and hope, and then turn am able to minister to others and maybe a more um simple in an a effective way, hopefully
1: yeah
0: yeah I uh, you know I, I I hear you say that and I I think about um I, I can't imagine what that would be like I, I I'm not married, don't have children, and so I can't imagine what it would be like to to be in a position of and somewhat helplessness uh, with with your child being in so much need and I uh, you talking about learning the kindness of the father and so, Um, was there also a sense in which you were able to um, more deeply understand uh, his care for you and your sanctification as well? That was just something that I was wondering if you maybe understood a little bit more of how desperately he would want uh, the healing of his own children Mm -hmm. as well. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I felt like we um, experienced God's kindness, um, uh like treat chiefly through his I think his people. Um like um we had moments where there was um churches in, in our own presbytery, even those outside of our presbytery, uh my own my own local church that we were at who had reached out um just to pray. Um there was a pastor in um Dillon, South Carolina who reached out to me maybe four months ago and said, hey, me and my I think his three-year-old daughter prayed for you your son last night. Like oh. those, those are things that you like, you can't, you can't create on your own. Like, those are just like tangible moments. We had churches, uh, a church in um, the DFW area who, um, their deacon sent money just to for gas money for us to drive back and forth to Houston for, um, our tests. Um, so I feel like the Lord just, just through his people again and again, just overwhelmed us with, with kindness. Um, I think in that me and my wife had really never had to really depend upon other people. Like we, for, for both of us, we're pretty hardworking individuals. Um, we have two very different stories, but as a married couple, we were pretty self-sustaining, never really had to ask for much We're probably more busy helping other people. And I feel like the Lord kind of flipped that in some good ways on us. And then, um, in regards to sanctification, I feel like, um, I, I would I would say um, that I've always tried to maintain a healthy prayer life. Um, but in suffering, you realize just how desperate you actually are for grace, uh, for for help. So I feel like just been reading and praying through the Psalms has been um, a lifeline that I feel like has grown me, my family um, through this season um, I feel like we've learned, I've probably more particularly have had to learn just to, to trust the Lord with my children, um, Mm which you, you, you don't always, you, you don't realize that you don't trust the Lord with your children until something, something hard or or bad happens to them. Um, so I think those are kind of the, the various things that I felt like the Lord was using, um, to, to kind of grow us, um, um. in our faith, um, in our love. Um,
1: yeah. Well, it's just fantastic to hear your testimony of, um, how the Lord cared for you and your family, even, um, and grew close to you even amidst brokenness. And now, you know, you're, you're, you're moved up to, uh, Detroit, you've taken a new, Uh, a new vocation, a new calling uh, at the, at this church in Detroit. And um, I know a little bit about Detroit. I went to undergrad in Michigan um, and we used to spend some time in Detroit and uh, people know, I think Detroit as a a city that has suffered its own, you know, amount of brokenness. Now I will, I will with all bias say that I love Detroit. I think it's a great, great city. Um, I was introduced to hockey at the, at the old Joe Lewis arena um, in a game between uh, the Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks, actually, we got to, it was a really awesome experience because we had to sit mid ice. It was the first time I ever heard somebody call someone a hoser, and I instantly fell in love with with Michigan and and Detroit. Um, but uh, it would be interesting to kind of hear your perspective. I know you've only been there for a couple weeks, but you know you said your wife is from uh, Michigan. First off, how was it as being somebody from Louisiana going to Michigan uh, for the first time? What did, what did you think about it? And then mm. uh, uh, what's been sort of, as you've settled in for the last two weeks, like what, what's kind of your expectations as you go into ministry uh, in a city like Detroit?
0: Well, y'all both married Michigan women. So we just need to point that out. I mean, there might be something <laughs> offline. Technically to talk my about wife is, to... a
1: Wisco- is a Wisconsinite, even oh, though she's God. from the UP, she would identify with, the, with Wisconsin. It's all, it's all, it's all confusing up there in the Midwest. It's not like simple like, like it is down in the South.
2: No. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like when we, um, when we were initially considering, um, just pastoral ministry, where we would go, um, we kind of knew that we wanted to either be near-ish to one of our families or somewhere in the middle. Um, so that opened up like a, a huge part of the United States, me being from the South, my wife being from, uh, Michigan and, uh, the, senior pastor of this church um, reached out um, maybe in the beginning of COVID about considering post-seminary, what that would look like. Um, and we knew we had some, like our eye towards Michigan. We knew that that could be a place for us to to, to live. So eventually we decided to take the call, but uh, coming up to Michigan was like, uh, it's, it's always funny. Every time I drive into Michigan, if you've been to Michigan, you know that at the state line, they have these huge banners that say pure Michigan. And that's just weird. Like I, I like Michiganders, but it's kind of strange, like this is a pure, pure state. So, have
1: you seen the parody commercials that people do on YouTube? The the no, parody. I, I'll send you, I'll send you a couple of links. They're pretty good. They have a good one about the Detroit Lions fans. I'll send it to you.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, so I feel like Michiganders remind me of Texans, like just like the, their love for their state, like. I think someone said that like half of half of the state of Michigan is like natural bodies of water, which is really cool. And a Michigander will tell you that 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 they, when they when they when they see you. Uh, so. Uh, so, yeah, so I feel like I had some experience living in the Midwest uh, when I was in Chicago and uh, coming up here now. It's been uh, it's just been cool to see. Uh, Uh, so many people will be welcoming um like in our neighborhood that we lived in that we live in now um two of my neighbors are from mississippi um their their parents moved during the great migration so it's actually in the same in our when we lived in chicago half our block was from mississippi and alabama due to the great migration as well so it's really fascinating to see like kind of get to know Midwest culture, but then you meet people and they're like, oh, my, my, oh yeah, my grandmother grew up in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, or, um, or uh, another, another small town place somewhere down south. So it's been, it's been really, really good. I feel like um, there are going to be some cultural shock things like up in the Midwest, like, uh, if someone invites you over to a barbecue, that means like hamburgers and hot dogs, which down South, and that's not, that's not the case. If someone said barbecue, it's ribs, uh, it's uh, brisket, all those different things like that. So, uh, that is a grill out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I, I feel like I'm really, I feel, I, just reading up about the city and um, wanting to um, just get to know it more. I feel like um, one of the things that I've like tried to keep before me is that um, generally when um, we've we've all heard the stories of like um, folks leaving go to the big city and they're going to change the city and all those different things like that. Uh, I'm very not that like uh, (laughs) I'm very much more like my my first investment is in the people who the Lord's called me mm. to serve at this church. And then we'll find our um rhythms in the city as it as it makes sense. Um, but um before loving the city in an abstract sense, I want to love the the people, specifically the congregation first, and then the ones in the neighborhoods as we are neighbors. Um and that kind of looks like my city ministry, or um, if you will in the beginning and then we'll see what the Lord does as he branches out different things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. I think there is such an importance to, for us as pastors to remember that primary importance of the, the flock and congregation God has given us and then going out and, um, ministering from there. And so as you're working with congregational life, uh, and, and you are talking about caring for them, um, Robert and I have sensed and, and hear from other people this importance of discipleship and this importance of discipling men and women. And I think when we talk about discipleship, there are so many different areas. We're all being discipled by something. We've probably heard that a hundred times, whether it's a seminary or on a talk or something. Um, and you can be discipled into anything. A discipleship is much like an apprenticeship um, for your spirituality. And so when you think about discipleship and, and priorities you want to put in your call what are some areas that you that you hope to develop a discipleship relationship unto what particular ends for mm. the people at at uh, redeemer Presbyterian?
2: yeah as i as yeah i feel like um as i've thought about that over the course of seminary and then just more i think practically over the last um couple of months and then now sitting in sitting in an office uh i feel like um the first thing that I've been thinking a lot about in regards to discipleship is just helping people realize, um, that they're being discipled in the Lord's day service on Sunday mornings, um, and how the Lord by his spirit and by his word and by His sacrament is conforming them into the image of Christ. Um, and, and how we as a people should prioritize, um, that, um, discipleship um method i feel like in scripture i feel like in the church particularly we have a lot of like avenues for discipleship and all are really good not trying to fault those but there's only a few things that the lord says we have to do and sunday morning is it's is pretty high on that list so just wanting to help people first just prioritize lord's day worship grow to love it grow to love the preaching of the word of fellowshipping with the saints on on sunday mornings um, And then out of that, just trying to help people see that um, discipleship um, is so much about just sharing life with other ones. I know like the word sharing life is a pretty um, cliche term or phrase, but I I do think there's something um, helpful about it of just like not overcomplicating things. Um, So some for some folks that could mean a book study that could mean small groups um, that could mean mentorship, all those different things like that, but just helping people just grasp the ordinary nature of discipleship and just the ordinary nature of the christian life um, and those are things that um, changed my life where sunday morning worship and then just the normal fellowshipping together in someone's home being invited in someone's home to process life to share struggles um, uh, to have someone just be interested in spiritual conversations just like no i can talk to someone about the, the lord together and leave or fresh and encouraged um, so i feel like all the things that i think about discipleship are all very relational one-to-one i think programs have their place and they're incredibly important um, especially depending on the size of your church but um, i i kind of want to strip that down away from folks just to see hey you can grow into christ um by just having believers walk alongside of you worshiping on sunday morning um, confessing sin together, um, eating together, um, and I feel like as a as a pastor, I basically want to just come alongside people and to help them do that. Um, so I I view um, pastoral ministry as just like a coming alongside of individuals, but also just a welcoming uh, presence in people's lives. So I think a lot about hospitality. Um, so me and my wife kind of have like this value where we want to have people in our home as often as we can, um, just to show them, uh, kind of the, the, the messiness of our lives. Uh, so eat, eat food, enjoy ask them about their lives, hear how the Lord's working in their lives, but also, um, hopefully have people over and show them how I try to lead my family and family worship, mm. um, how, um, uh, as as stuff kind of unfolds, I'm like trying to run in the kitchen to help my wife with dishes and invite whoever's in there. Hey, come, come. You want to wash dishes together and kind of just talk about the Lord together. So I hope to see that model that in my own life and then see that trickle out all over. Um, so that instead of just like having a discipleship ministry in the church, it's just more of an organic culture in the church where we're in and out of each other's homes. And this is just how we how we live like it's like for some people who maybe not learn don't know all the the christian language surrounding it they may just be like oh this is just normal this is just normal christian life we just eat together welcome each other into each other's homes pray process um yeah so that's kind of the, the, the the gist of how i think about it currently i'm also uh very much entering in this early. So I don't, I, I don't have any necessary wisdom to offer anybody else. Um, so we'll see. Give me, give me two years and see if I say the same thing,
0: man. No, I, I, I love that. I'm looking forward to hearing more about how the Lord continues to develop your ministry and the things that you do. I love what you said about hospitality and um, serving. And I think about what uh, Dr. Tommy Keen from RTSDC said one time, It's like, don't, don't ever underestimate the ministry of the greeters in your church mm-hmm. of that simple thing, just how valuable that is to having people who are excited like you said, Lord's day worship. And uh, I know you've studied under Dr. McDowell at RTS Dallas, one of my favorite professors I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, just an amazing man. And, and, uh, at the end of one semester, he had a bunch of us students over to his house and he's got four boys, you know, so, uh, got a lot of action, um, mm-hmm. in that, in that house and, uh, just being able to see him work and serve and i did want to ask i don't know if you have any but if you have any um favorite mcdoll or any any dr McDowell stories you know he i like the way he says taco he doesn't say taco he says taco for some reason you know get some good tacos and i don't know if he's making fun of us or what but um anyways i'm just always uh, thankful for him and and appreciate his service to rts and the church in dallas yeah i'm trying
2: to i don't have any nothing's popping in my head at the moment and I have no problem teasing Dr. McDowell, uh, but uh, yeah, I just, again, he's one of my, he's one of my not only favorite professors, just favorite people in, in general. Like uh, if I could be half the minister he is, I, I'd be, I'd be in a good, good spot.
0: He's so cool. Like mm-hmm. not only is he super brilliant, uh, but he's like read everything. He loves mm-hmm. like American novels. He loves like cool music. Mm-hmm. He's pretty chill. Like I was like, doggone it. This guy, so yeah, <laughs> but he's I great.
2: Like, I feel like he does a good job, and and I guess it's con- connected to to how I view pastoral ministry too. I feel like he does a really outstanding job at being a ordinary confessional reform minister who is incredibly kind. Uh, um, and I feel like we we need need more of that you can feel you can feel like all this doctrine in his in his in his bones. Like le- listening to him uh, pray before class was like that, that, that was, that was my seminary. That, that was what I paid for. Like I could we he could dismiss us now and we'd be fine.
0: <laughs> oh man. I love that. What a great way to end. And so Demiron thank you so much uh, for coming on. Thank you for concluding us there and leading us to prayer. So, um, this dependence that we have on the Lord and, uh, we, you know, as we look to people who are uh, ahead of us in the faith, like Dr. McDole or, um, you know, we, we, learn to pray from Jesus and how he taught us to pray. And so thank you for taking us there and excited for your call, um, what you're doing and um, look forward to seeing you at general assembly in a few weeks, which will be great. Um, and can, what is your Twitter handle for those for our listeners who may not follow you on Twitter? How can they, how can they follow you?
2: Yeah. My Twitter handle is at the Myron Haynes. So my okay. first and last name So.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Robert at Artie house. You can follow me at Stockdale Well, you check out ministry to state at ministry to org. Um, hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week and we look forward to being back with you next week.